Hi, everybody. It's Joey Remini from seekingbalance.com.au. Today, I have a case study to share with you, and I want to introduce you to Debbie from the US. Thank you for your time, and welcome to the call today, Debbie. Thank you. It is such a pleasure to finally meet you, Joey. Yeah. So Debbie is a member of the Rocksteady community. She's completed the full online program, and Debbie has come to our community with tinnitus. So Debbie, do you want to um, share a little bit about what attracted you to the Rock City program and what it felt like taking that healing journey um, of getting to know your tinnitus, your body, and how to reverse it? Well, the first thing was um, coming down with tinnitus as the result of a head cold mm-hmm. and not knowing what it was. It was just something that was there and was very, very scary. And as many people have said in the past on these case studies, I went through all the medical avenues uh, trying to get help. I went online, found some very scary stuff online. And finally, one night hit rock bottom and thought, I have to get some help. And just turned on the computer and happened to find Joey. There she was on YouTube talking about tinnitus and neuroplasticity. So for me, number one, it was something connected to science. I've always been a very analytical person. I do a lot of research and no one could explain tinnitus to me. The doctors that I went to see, including the ENT, it was like, just go home and forget about it. And it was like, no, (laughs) I need more information. So here you were, you were actually explaining this in a scientific way. But also you hit on um, talking about neuroplasticity and working with the brain and having it change. It's not static, you know, it's dynamic. And so I got onto the seven day program Mm -hmm. and I loved what I saw. Uh, And not only was scientific, it came into the personal, Mm -hmm. very personal questions, um, asking me about myself and what I wanted. And that had always been a difficult question for me to answer in Mm -hmm. any phase of my life. Mm -hmm. And, um, So after going through the seven days, I talked with my spouse and I said, I have to invest in this program. I just have to. And so we both agreed and I did. Um, It for me was incredible because I had the online programs I could tune into. Mm. And you had not only the module explanations, but you also had um, the case studies and the bonus audios. So of course I immediately got on there. And since I'm a researcher, I'd love to go through every single one of those and pick out the ones that I like. And I want to hear over and over again. And then I heard my first live call Mm -hmm. and that for me was life-changing to have, because I remember many years ago when I was back in college, one of the things I loved was a smaller group class where everyone could discuss together. And for me, this was that opportunity again. I mean, it was more listening to people talk and ask questions, but yet that element of discussion was there and sharing. Mm-hmm. Um, and really important to actually hear people talk about what they were going through and hear you help them immediately. I mean, it wasn't just a, here's this, try this. And three months from now, this is what will happen. You know, if you practice this, you can actually talk with them right in that phone call and help them immediately. And when you helped others in that way, you helped me. And I cannot tell you how many of these I have listened to. I've either sat in, either sat in on live or listened to the playbacks 
Mm-hmm. And there are some that I even play at night when I go to bed. <laughs> I will turn them on just because I want to hear those words of wisdom and I want to hear that encouragement. And I want to hear how I can hear people shift intellectually and emotionally in one conversation. Yeah. And what you're talking about there is I, I feel this collective healing and neuroplasticity is in the here and now. And that is the major specialty of being a neuroplasticity therapist is we don't sort of say go home and try this or it's well here and now let's do this and feel how the neural maps respond here and now because then we're getting that direct feedback and we can sense and feel in the body using those internal landmarks and and people have sort of a tangible sense of okay well am I moving perhaps down my symptomatology and processes of fear and doubt and uncertainty or am I starting to really gain traction in my center and my grounding and form new dialogues, new questions, new conversations? And that's definitely happening in real time on the call, almost every call, I would say, um, which which is such. And I, I often say to people as we're listening to the replays, close your eyes and do this with the person. You know, if it feels good for you, share the process because these while they're highly personalized and individualized, we can make them our own and we can adopt them. Mm-hmm. So it's so rich to hear you share that because that's really what it's all about. If mm-hmm. we're open to it and when we're ready. Right. Yeah. And I think that for me was what was so special because I was ready. I wanted help so desperately, but I did like one of the things you said where, you know, we're, we're always rushing around looking for someone to fix us. Yeah. And I felt like, okay, I found Joey. She'll fix me. But then I realized <laughs> Well, no, she's going to give me the tools to fix me. And, you know, for, for many years, uh, you know, I've been in leadership development and it's so funny because I would say to these groups of leaders, I'm not going to fix this for you. I'm going to give you the tools to fix it yourself. And so as I would listen to your programs, I would laugh because I would say, how many times have I said some of these things out loud and not, and turned around and not use them for myself, you know, pass them on to someone else, but, but didn't take it from me. And it's, it's a different beast because, you know, there's, there's different relationships we have in life and in the world. We've got the relationship with ourselves and then the relationship with our intimate family and others and the close circle and then the local community and then the wider community or institutions or religions or politics. And sometimes we're, we're really finely tuned in a certain relationship category, you know, but I have a, like a lot of therapists actually, or yoga teachers coming into my program and going, wow, I've never done this with myself. You know, they're good at doing it out there with others or, you know, on the podium as a group facilitator, but to, to come back and bring some of the subtleties of the neuroplasticity pathway and process into the micro minutia of our own present moment, mm-hmm. it really is nothing short of life-changing. Can you share a little bit about, perhaps one or two practices that, that you, that you caught upon in the Rocksteady program that maybe res- were resonant for you and, and how it changed you. Like what was the old version of Debbie like versus the new version of Debbie that you've rebuilt using neuroplasticity? <laughs> oh, the old Debbie. Okay. Well, <laughs> I, let's see, I'm 65 years old. And then, so for, let's say the last um, 60, the first 63 years, um, I mean, I didn't have a bad upbringing, but I was raised by parents who um, you were loved if you were perfect. Yeah. So 
The problem is who defines perfect and what is that? So I spent 63 years trying to be perfect and trying so many different things. And to tell you the truth, I think that's why I ended up in leadership development and executive coaching, because I would choose things to teach that I wanted for myself. Mm -hmm. You know, like I would choose emotional intelligence. This is what I'm going to cover. You know, I would choose um, just these different tools to draw people out and to have them be more grateful um, for where they were. So, but the problem was I wasn't doing it. So I was constantly struggling Hmm. and constantly clamoring to be uh, more perfect. And that, well, you are going down a deep, deep rabbit hole when you do that, uh, because it's just not real. There's no reality to that. And it's common and it's socially accepted. So we keep doing it. Yes. It's horrible. It's horrible to do. Um, So then when I found your program, I found some of the exercises and I think actually one I did get from the live call, I believe it was from the live call and it's where you take, okay, you're doing a body scan and, you know, we're scanning and all of a sudden I would find something. Okay. I found fear or I found uh, worry and um, just feeling like there was this knot, like for many, I would say over 20 years, I had a knot in my left shoulder that hurt. I'd go for a massage and everybody'd laugh and go, what is that thing? And they'd try to work on it and it wouldn't come out. And I'm listening to you do this with a with someone who had called in. And while you're doing it, I was doing it for myself. And I gave this knot, I I gave it a shape, I gave it a color, I gave it, you know, I gave it a texture uh, and I transformed it Mm. and I let it go. When you Mm. said, you know, send it out into the world, give it some wonderful purpose. I sent it out into the world. It was gone. I was like, seriously, I've spent 20 some years with this thing (laughs) and it's not a friend. And that exercise was amazing. So That one I have done many, many times. Mm -hmm. And there's also another one that you've done, um, same type thing, possibly where we're body scanning and I'm finding an emotion. And I ask myself, when was the first time I felt that? Mm -hmm. And I have written down so many stories from my childhood, Mm -hmm. just, um, incredible. I I pulled out one from my journal. I was going back through my notes yesterday before I knew I was going to speak with you. And I found one where she's, you know, this beautiful little girl all in her perfect little white dress with her strawberries on it and her headband to match and her little white shrug sweater. And she was crying. And I was like, what's wrong? And all she wanted to do was play, but she couldn't because she was dressed so perfectly. And this was a true outfit I had when I was five. I didn't even remember that I had it until this came up. And I kept telling her, it's okay, go ahead and play. And she wouldn't play. So I picked up some mud in my mind and I rubbed it on her dress. Oh, and she threw a fit. And then all of a sudden she picked up some mud and she rubbed it on me and she started laughing. Mm. And it was just so freeing for the two of us to be together. And we just to say, you're okay. You don't have to be perfect. You go play. That's what you do. And And that, so that's from 55 years ago. You know, just for that to be able to do that is amazing to me. It's just so transformative. It really is. And honestly, I was really skeptical of this stuff over the years. You know, it's like, oh, your childhood and this and that. It's like, whatever. But science is catching up and we're really learning. Like you can live an adult life 
based on the beliefs and assumptions of a five-year-old. That can be the mm -hmm. dominant voice and neural circuitry in your adult brain. That's quite remarkable. So it really matters to listen to the body, to notice what, what's coming and arising, to talk to it. And it's, you know, mm -hmm. um, it takes time to pause and listen and have those conversations. It takes courage too, in some ways. Mm -hmm. But once we've got these skills to support and hold ourselves, which is what the Rocksteady program is all about fostering, is the self-sufficiency to meet ourselves and hold ourselves and be really whole and full in ourselves. Um, we can really handle what the body's bringing forth. And these conversations and inner dialogues we can hold and there's all the kindness and compassion and the loving attention that we're practicing and mm -hmm. we're building those muscles and skills uh, so that we... We don't need to run away from ourselves anymore and the body doesn't need to scream at us anymore. Mm -hmm. And what did you notice changed in your sensations as you began exploring this, this work? Well, I had always been so self-critical, mm -hmm. which many of us are. And, uh, you know, and here, you know, in this constant striving for perfection and the body just being so tight all the time. Yeah. Um, and, oh my gosh, I lived my life inside my head. I mean, I was always inside my head. I just, I remember laughing when you said, you know, just stand there and plant your feet. And I was like, oh yeah, this will work. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was so different. It was like, this is hysterical. I've, I've been like a, a walking head my entire life. But now, you know, it's like, okay, I do have a body. Mm -hmm. um, and it has, it's made me change in, in a lot of ways. I did unfortunately one day have, hmm, I had a meltdown. And unfortunately I did it with my daughter and my son-in-law. And I couldn't get myself back under control. And there are two people I love very, very much. And I wasn't angry at them. I just lost it. Mm. And, um, and I, of course I was so embarrassed and I just had to leave. And my daughter came to the house to talk to me. And I'm really lucky because she's a psychologist and she's a very good psychologist. Now, of course she can't treat her family, but we had a great conversation then about things in the past that have been triggered that day that had nothing to do with her or with my son-in-law that mm. had to do with the environment around me. So since then I have been much more careful about, okay, if I start to flood with emotion, stop, don't open my mouth. <laughs> don't say anything. Um, and just stop and ask myself where this is coming from. Um, I hated that it happened, had to happen that way, but it did. I got a real life uh, example that I did not like. <laughs> you know, what's beautiful about that too. And it, A, we're not perfect. And it's sort of like front and center reminding us that it's okay to have hiccups and, and be a bit messy and dirty. But also as we embrace our imperfections, we give our family and our loved ones permission to be imperfect too which of mm -hmm. course frees them up from all the striving and criticism and that, I guess, lack of contentment. Because if we're setting ourselves up for failure, it's really difficult to ever find that inner peace and joy because we're constantly wanting to be something we can't be because perfection mm -hmm. is an illusion or a delusion. So there's kind of beauty in the messiness of it. Um, and then, of course, the capacity to repair, which you and your daughter sounds like you had that... Mm -hmm. Um, skillful conversation of being able to repair the more we can do that with ourselves and have those conversations of compassion and kindness and repair 
the more, of course, we're able to do it with others. So we have this ripple effect, not only within ourselves and our symptomatology and our neural circuits, but also then how our, how our energy and radiance, our emotional qualities are rippling out into the world around us, into our loved mm -hmm. ones, our friends, our community, and so on and so forth. So I think there's a richness actually in what you're sharing. Um, and thank you for sharing it. It's yeah, it was a very embarrassing moment, but it was a huge learning moment. It was a huge, Deb, you have the tools, you forgot. You let those emotions flood and yeah. you just let all of that adrenaline go. And I honestly felt like a small child. I couldn't contain well, it. That That is a you great know? It's a great analogy and I've been there too and I still have to pull myself back and then I'm actually dealing with a small child, a two-year-old, and I have to pull myself up and be like, don't buy into the toddler tantrum, like don't copy and mirror the energy. I need to be, mm -hmm. I need to be the adult holding the adult secure available uh, presence and, you know, non-judgment mm -hmm. um, or else my nervous system can mirror the tantruming toddler because we've all got it in us. Right. And it's exactly what I did. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, and um, and what I love about what you said was, it's not about dismissing or bypassing the bigness of the feeling, because there, there will be a big thing in there. Like maybe we feel dismissed, maybe we feel unlistened to, maybe we feel taken for granted. These are big emotions, big frustrations, big anxieties, etc. It's not about sort of not like Deb, don't say anything, close your mouth and push mm -hmm. through. It's about stopping, pausing and saying, let's really honor this in our own ecosystem mm -hmm. so we don't pollute the ecosystem around us. We're deeply processing it and integrating it and asking for that time and giving ourselves that time, which is ideal. And we don't always get, um, mm -hmm. we don't always get the opportunity. So we do a little bit of hindsight repair, which is perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the psychologists out there are saying, it's not about being perfect. We'll never be perfect. Mm -hmm. But if we can repair um, it's better than perfect. Yes. Repair is the, and, and I have found lately because I have many years of practice of worrying Yeah. that the thing I do now, like in the middle of the night or something, I'll wake up and there's a big worry and I'll go, Nope, I'm not going to play the game. Yeah. And I just shut it down like that. And it's wonderful. Yeah. It's like, absolutely. Stop. It's such a waste of time. It is such a waste of time. And you're in control of your inner world. You're in control of, it's like, what movies am I watching? You know, what am I thinking about? What's going on? Mm -hmm. Where am I placing my attention? And um, one of my colleagues, Holly Richmond, she said, it's like choosing to watch a movie you don't like on repeat. Like, why would we do that? That's a good, that's a good a way choice, to put it. There's a choice there. And, and what that does is gives us our power back. And a lot of people with chronic dizziness, chronic pain, chronic vertigo, chronic tinnitus, they feel how helpless they feel powerless they feel hopelessness mm -hmm. and as we go through these awakenings and these insights and learning oh i have choice here oh i can mm -hmm. manipulate that neural pathway oh i can basically put the volume up or down that's giving us our power back and our agency mm -hmm. so coming back to the rock city program um how did you how did you personally navigate the modules did you go through them one at a time did you repeat them a few times because there's a lot in there. So I'm just curious, how did you pace yourself with the pep talks and the bonus audios and all of that? There is a whole lot of information in there. And I chose to do the two weeks per module. Mm -hmm. And I did, um, well, I would always say in the house, I'm going to do my Joey work. 
and I would take off <laughs> to my little office and I would choose a part of the program each day to take a look at because there was so much there. Yeah. Um, I tried the exercises. I did everything as I went along. Um, so I went in chronological order, one through six, and then I went back and started over again. Yeah. The thing that I did discover though, when I went back and I read my journals mm -hmm. from this, uh, from this journey is I did my best with module one mm -hmm. and module four, I think is journaling. Cause I've always written, I've always journaled. I kept a diary when I was a kid. So even as I was doing module one, I would write everything down. People would laugh at me. It used to when I was working, I'm retired now. I had big binders for everything. I had notes on everything. I have a massive four inch thick jelly binder and I keep all my notes in there. <laughs> it's just crazy, but that's me. That's how I learned. So I kept notes as I went and I found that um, module one was so grounding for me. There were so many things in there, that whole thing of getting into the body um, you know, getting, getting my feet, feeling my feet on the floor, feeling my body when I'm lying down, you know, just, um, doing the sleep scan, uh, you know, noticing the body in a horizontal position. That was a lot of, of good for me. Module two, I had a problem with, with the tapping because I was so self-conscious because how could I be perfect while I'm trying to tap in front of a mirror? You know, <laughs> so I had to work with that too. So, but uh, between um, just the grounding and the exercises, that just trying to balance myself. I didn't have vertigo, but I found out I had horrible balance. No feel, you know, whatsoever. I mean, I, I took ballet for 20 years. You'd never know it. You know, I'm just like tripping all over the place. And so that for me was incredibly um, uh, wonderful. But in going back to my journals, what I found is the farther I went um, in my writing, the more frantic I got with each with each module. Mm -hmm. And you know, there are telltale signs because I suddenly I had no paragraphs, I had no breaks, I had run-ons everywhere, and I was frantic because I was working with a, I was trying to work with everything instead of doing really what you said up front was find the things that work for you and keep it simple and keep it simple. So. I got, as usual, I, I overdid it. I overanalyzed and I, I over-researched and I thought, okay, yes, just go back to module one in my journaling. And that is incredibly There's helpful. There's something about module one though, because it could be seen as, um, I think it's similar in karate where it's like, once you master everything and do your black belt, you actually go back again and started a white belt because there's something about, the, the sophisticated precision of observation and the subtle details of actually exploring being still, mm -hmm. um, which is not stillness like a statue because there's always the micro movements in the body and there's always the little things to, mm -hmm. to be with and notice, but just honing in those skills of observation and, and staying with it and not having a scattered mind and being present with any of those body positions because there's many of them to choose from. Mm -hmm. But the simplicity of slowing down 
really is the art of neuroplasticity and honing those observation skills. Yes. And then, of course, as we go through, um, you know, module three has the triggers and, and learning what to do with building in that gentle awareness and, and yes. more sophisticated mm -hmm. balance um, exercises and skills. Module four is kind of more in values and the emotional system and mm -hmm. the nervous system, which is really rich and important for mastery of neuroplasticity because mm -hmm. it's inhibited by the stress system or the um, hyper or hypo arousal of the system. Um, module five is where we build plans so that we can handle whatever comes to us. Mm -hmm. And module six, we pull it all together and we look at these choice points, which is probably one of my favorite bits. Mm -hmm. which is really it just it's just in going through it and going through it again and then going back and looking at notes I mean I really am using parts of all of it yeah um you are, you are. but it's just that and you're right for me the module one was more like meditation mm -hmm. and I do meditate now and I just it's so important to me um to to get centered and to just mm -hmm. kind of See what's going on in there you know every once in a while uh it's it's incredibly incredibly helpful yeah. um i also have the book rock steady mm -hmm. and i have read it and in typical debbie style it is totally written all over and highlighted <laughs> um uh, so they've been very good, very good tools for me. I mean, and, and I think I told you in, in one of the notes up front, it was, it was life-saving for me because having that sensation first set in just was so panicky oh. and I didn't know what I was going to do with it. Yeah. And I think also it's like people want the, the, the exercise or the meditation or the group call. And it's like, well, you know what? It's not even about that. Like, even if, if someone was, was, I don't know, like to, to, to go onto free apps or something and get a bit of this and a bit of that, it's kind of missing the journey. Cause I think what Rocksteady is really about is about having that time and space and continuous support that's mm -hmm. 24 seven and, and the guidance that comes drops into your inbox and the little pep talks and the little reminders, it's okay mm -hmm. to fall off track and, and this is what you're doing and this is what your neurons need of you and the, mm -hmm. the constant motivation and enthusiasm and inspiration, which without that, again, if we go back to the analogy of playing the piano, if we don't have that motivation and support and encouragement, we mm -hmm. just simply don't enjoy it and we're less likely to get up and practice or we force ourselves and we're rigid and there's sort of a tension there. Mm -hmm. And well, so, I can't tell you how excited I got every time something did come into my inbox. Yeah, good. If there was a little pep talk or something, I was like, yay, it's a Joey, you know, it's, it's yeah. fantastic. It's going to be something wonderful. Yeah, um, the, the community's built the program in a sense, because I, I feedback off what people are enjoying mm -hmm. or needing. And so one early on, maybe five years ago, an Australian woman emailed me saying, I'm you know, I'm in week seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. I feel like I need more of those little motivational emails because mm -hmm. it was really um, helpful in week one, two, mm -hmm. three, four, five, six to have that in my inbox. And so, just for her, I built the pep talks. And oh, that's it was, wonderful! It was added to the program, and then um, with my private clients going through certain roadblocks and troubleshooting. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'd say, I've got a process for you and I think it'd be great for the community. How about we record it and share it? And they'd of course say, yeah. So then there's the bonus audios. 
those have been wonderful too. And, but I have to tell you up front, it was so funny because I got mad at Bruce. I got mad at Catherine. I got mad at all these people who were like, this is wonderful. And I was like, I'm not there yet. It was just me, that whole thing of wanting to be perfect and be in first place, you know, and go, yes, this, um, it was just hysterical because I had to go back and watch them again and go, oh yeah, they're really good people. And they're going through the same thing I am. There's no reason to be angry with them because they're doing well. Oh yeah. I think that's, I know. It was just one of those childish things once again. Yeah. I'm curious. So coming from that perfectionism space, which is super common, which is why I'd love to talk about it with you, which often leads us to feeling a lot of inner criticism and therefore shame and mm-hmm. the shame spirals leap into, you know, link into fear cycles and potential depression and anxiety mm-hmm. and symptomatology increasing. Um, so if you've identified this kind of perfectionist patterning from your childhood and then you've had to come in and meet your little one and give her compassion and love, which is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, what I feel comes eventually, which can be enigmatic, is a sense of surrender and allowing. It's like, oh, I don't need to be ranked first. I don't need to be perfect. Like, I am what I am on this day, and I can lean into that and be loving toward that. There's an allowing, a surrender, an acceptance of reality as it is. Can you talk through a little bit of how you sunk into that and dropped into that and transitioned into that? Because it's, it's murky waters, I think, for many people. It truly is because, you know, just insane, like how I got, I got angry at, at Bruce and Catherine, you know, I, you'd have to go back, you know, and look at my past. So I was valedictorian. I was head majorette. I was first chair saxophone. I was president of the Latin club. I mean, it was all that stuff all the time. And then getting to college and competing to always be first. Um, it, it was just... I'm telling you, it, it just got nuts and it got so overwhelming. And it was um, after doing that for so many years and honestly not having anything until you came along. So what, such 62, 63 years old to suddenly feel like I don't have to be the best. I don't have to have all the answers. And that was rough. It was really rough. Because my whole makeup was, no, I had to be first and I had to be best. And it was so frightening Mm. to say the first time, no, I don't. And no, I don't have an answer for that. Mm. And I thought the world was going to explode and it didn't. Yeah. And it was like, (laughs) okay, so this feels pretty good. Maybe I'll try this again. And it's, it's, um, it's been so freeing and it's so relaxing. And I have a feeling that's probably why I had that knot in my shoulder for 20 some years. Um, and my body was just so, um, oh, it was just, everything was just so pent up and it really, I can't, I can't tell you how freeing it is. And yes, it is difficult. If you're somebody who's truly been a perfectionist all your life, it's going to be very difficult for you to say, I don't have to do that anymore. Mm. Um, Even if the people who are still, are still alive, who held you to that, (laughs) you know, to just say, nope, not going to do it. Yeah. 
I can't be that for you. Has it changed? It's obviously changed your relationship to yourself in a big way because you're physically loosening up. You're like tension yes. is melting off you. Um, sensations have changed. Mm-hmm. Has it changed your relationship to your daughter? Yeah. The thing is, um, one of the things I did when I had children is I decided immediately, and I know a lot of us do that, I will not do my children the way I was done. And so I did make make some mistakes, maybe going too far the other way. <laughs> but um, I, I didn't talk about it for a long time. After they became adults, we would start talking about it mm. um, because they then started to see things. Mm. And they were like, why is this going on? Or why is this happening? And um, <clears throat> so we have had some discussions about it. Um, my daughter, you know, as I said, she's a psychologist. She, she's now certified in internal family systems. So she's working a lot with people with this, um, going back, what happened and, and addressing that. And so that's good. And my son, you know, he's taken off. He's, he's an artist. He's, um, um, how do I describe him? Wonderful human being. And, but it's also hard for him because he questions a lot. So sometimes I share stories with him. One time he said to me, mom, if I, if I, if I want to talk to you about something, please don't share a story with me. (laughs) And then we were talking on the phone, not just too long ago. And he said something. And I said, may I share a story with you? And he said, yes. And so the one I told him, he was like, yeah, that fit, that works. So uh, just changing that context with him to say, may I please share this with you? that was that was good I really really thank you for sharing I love that because I think that's also what we're learning to do with ourselves Mm -hmm. as our body talks to us and the symptoms might be louder or stronger and we're sort of starting to feel like "Mm, I'm off my center I've got to get my tools here and bring myself back in in a sense we're sort of saying hey body is this good for you right now like may I do this with you right now And and we get that yes or no and there is an inquiry and a consent that I think we're unwittingly uh, fine-tuning because Mm -hmm. when the body doesn't want to do something and the mind forces it, it just feels so wrong. We start Mm -hmm. to get very attuned to the, I want, it it really is a self-relationship, just like any other relationship. Mm -hmm. You don't force someone to have a cup of tea. You ask, would you like a cup of tea? Yes. (laughs) Um, And so I think the better we get at that with ourselves, the more we're able to say to others, how does this feel for you? Like I arrived home late. You had the kids on your own. How did that feel for you? Like, I'm sorry. I want to check in with you. How did that feel for you? We can't ask those questions if we're not really um, settled and attuned to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Then we make it all about us. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all our excuses and, and there's, there's friction in the relationship. So um, you've got some great examples there of how the Rocksteady relationship that you did in self-study in your mm-hmm. own time mm-hmm. I think has really softened you and strengthened a lot you and the a relationships lot. around you yes yes I, I remember in Bruce's video he says something about my wife says I'm a much nicer person and I was like I understand that now and a lot of it is is because I'm nicer to myself I think my husband would say the same thing about me <laughs> It's, it's definitely been a journey and so much resistance, but the, the felt sense of surrender and acceptance for me, um, and acceptance again, I think is a, a, a misunderstood word. 
Mm. I don't mean acceptance as in giving up and accepting, well, this is my lot in life, not at all. I mean accepting the dynamic and complex nature of reality and choosing how I bounce with that. So being mm-hmm. um, being very available to reality so mm-hmm. I can pick and choose how I respond. And most of the time that's probably active. You know, I'm actively choosing to engage with the world as it is rather than how mm-hmm. I think it should be or how it was or how it might be. Acceptance of reality and agency to do something about it. I really feel like that's the rock steady summary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think one of the biggest things I've done is used to, I mean, it got to, I, I did it so much. People just started laughing. I'd walk into a situation. I wouldn't even ask a question and I'd just see what was going on. And I'd go, Oh no, 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 no. Ah. And I start fixing things the way they should be <laughs> now. Yeah, it, it's, yeah. Such a, it's such a trap of a word, isn't it? it's terrible (laughs) and I just thought I was being helpful because of course I was right (laughs) so now um yeah I don't find myself doing that so much anymore it's it's very nice beautiful yes well I'm just so pleased to hear your journey and how far you've come I'm curious what were your desired sensations that you were building that were anchoring you which again sort of comes back to some of that that early module work module one yes Um, I always started with calm and steadiness. Lovely. Always because my insides were, it was like a storm all the time. Yep. Yep. Um, and crazy, I needed, which, you know, goes yes. hand in hand with the tinnitus. Yes. And I needed that to just settle. So now, you know, my list has grown bigger. You know, I've, I've got calm, I've got steadiness, I have gratitude, I have, you know, I, um, love, happiness, joy. I mean, it's just the list grows and grows, you know, and after, you know, you achieve, I just thought it was best to start small. <laughs> and then it is honestly, it truly is from a neuroplasticity point of view, give the brain one job and let it really consolidate mm-hmm. it. And then the rest will sort of naturally begin to populate. Yes. Um, and it shifts and changes with time. Like I know in the last year, I felt really connected to the word center, to feel my center. Um, and, and I think it's really beautiful to be fluid like that. You know, we're mm-hmm. constantly rebuilding and map, uh, mapping and shaping according yes. to what the world throws at us. Yes. Yeah, beautiful. I relate a lot. I relate a lot to your story. So thank you. It's such a pleasure to meet you. Oh, it's a pleasure to meet you too. I love every time I hear your voice, I just get so happy. (laughs) I get a big smile. (laughs) Thank you. And I'll usually walk out after a call and I'll go, you would not believe how wise this young woman is. (laughs) Um, I do know that I love what I do. Um, That's excellent. And I definitely know that I'm not perfect. And, you know, sometimes I say things which in, and I know this is a true for all therapists. Sometimes I say things in in hindsight, I'm like, oh, I really wish I hadn't have chosen that word or, you know, the emotional tone mm-hmm. behind that, or, you know, and I can be critical or hard on myself, but we have to give ourselves slack mm-hmm. and also recognize that, and same with um, spelling mistakes in my emails. I, I Honestly, I'm so loose with that, <clears throat> but part of me is like, I'm almost planting little imperfections so people can <laughs> see imperfections. Because I'm like, this is kind of what the community is about. You know, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter if there's a little spelling mistake. If the main message is there, 
it's enough it's good enough we're enough and so it's almost like in training a sense of the the, the beauty and tenderness within the imperfection mm-hmm. um, that's been a journey for me and um and i guess for our for the world we're living in and for our wider community and i think it's very rich and beautiful so thank you for being part of that and bringing it oh. so richly to this conversation thank you thank you for inviting me to to speak with you yeah all right so to close up <clears throat> if you had one piece of wisdom or advice for diane let's say five years ago what what would you offer her oh my gosh or maybe when your tinnitus was at its worst for those listeners who might relate to diane who's on the internet searching seeking some kind of reassurance what did diane need to hear back then sorry Debbie. i think that's okay see now once upon a time i would have jumped right on you but right now no i let that one go <laughs> i think for for the early part of tinnitus mm-hmm. it truly was the um the thing that came to me that one night in the middle of the night when i said to myself just 15 seconds. That's all I need is 15 seconds. And I can keep building on that because 15 seconds goes by very quickly. And it gave me time and gave me space then to, to find you, to, um, to look for tools that would help me and would help me to center and to settle and to and to be calm and let me know that it was going to be okay. You know, that I wasn't that crazy person, the picture on the internet screaming, holding the sides of her, her, of her head, you know, it was okay. I could, I could settle. Um, that was good. The person before that, yes, I really do wish that someone had sent me down years ago and said, you know what, let's sit here quietly, which would have been very difficult for me. Can we just sit here, maybe just hold my hand, you know, and just, just calmly (laughs) sat with me because I was on fire. I was like a jumping beam, you know, all the time. You were were ready to win and you were ready to be everything that culture and society wanted you to be. Always, yeah, always. (laughs) And I don't need that. I, yeah, I really, what I want to do now, you know, because I think I've been retired for a little bit and I'm thinking I am bored. Okay. That happened while I was during COVID. That's fantastic. Um, you know, how do I, how do I even help others? Hmm. Uh, because I've always done this with teaching and leadership and, and being an executive coach, but now I feel like I could do it so much better than I ever did it before. Beautiful. Well, I Um, uh, look forward to seeing what comes out of that. (laughs) So we will see what happens. Yeah. And I think just focusing in on the perfectionist, um, you know, I've almost heard it. I think it's um, your daughter would know more about this than me, but I think they've even been contemplating for years now whether to include perfectionism in the diagnostic mental health book. I will have to ask her about that because it is debilitating. Absolutely. And I think that's the point is it's, it's, it's not just a cute thing. It's actually Mm -hmm. deeply affects people's neurobiology and Mm -hmm. their nervous system and their choices and who they marry and how they marry. Like it's, it goes way beyond um, high grades at school or 
being great absolutely it's it's a big deal so it's beautiful that you've really come around with that and I would argue probably at perfect timing it could be that you know this was just the perfect time for you to really bring all of this together in your life and in your world not a day sooner were you ready to hear it I don't think so I think the universe was sending me a big message yeah and And you listened and I'm I listened yeah congratulations thank you and thank you so much for all your help oh I truly appreciate it such a pleasure Debbie um I am going to say if anyone listening would like to join our community it's rich it's supportive um will challenge you in really gentle ways, I would say. This community is able to hold you through confusion and clutter and all of these icky, irky feelings we've been talking about. So if you're interested to learn more, visit seekingbalance.com.au. Join my community, say hello, introduce yourselves in our Facebook group. And hopefully we'll just have more and more people busting these myths that we have to live with tinnitus or we have to live with chronic vertigo and we'll get more and more voices like debbie's out in the world saying well actually we can reverse this we can change our brain and we can become a more whole person in ourselves and on the planet what a gift thank you debbie and it's a bye for now thank you